Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Hello, this is Elizabeth Dale Phillips. My book, Have She Known Will Travel? The Story of 12 Bluebells Touring Italy in 1960 will be released September 28th. It can be purchased from Amazon and other sites and in the US can be ordered from your local independent bookstore. My book is a pretty accurate record of one period with one troupe of Bluebell girls. And I see the Bluebells Forever podcast as a similar record, but encompassing so much more. It's a Bluebell treasury. So when patron membership in the podcast was first offered, I snapped it up. I didn't think twice. Of course, I wanted to support the project. And my cup runneth over. Not only do I feel virtuous for supporting the podcast, I also get to enjoy bonus material. The Circle Back, where twice a month, Sherry re-interviews one of her earlier podcast guests. Sherry and her guest, now very comfortable with each other, build on the first interview. Maybe new areas, maybe a deeper dive. Can be surprising, offbeat, jaw-dropping, always fascinating. Then comes Showgirl in Training, where I learn once a month what it takes to be a cabaret dancer in 2021. Hard work. That too is fascinating. And once a month, I get to join Sherry and Anne Green in Happy Hour. Short videos where two very good friends, who also happen to be two very bright, funny women, sit in a garden and chat about their lives in the theatre. So there you have it. Lots of reasons to become a patron. Bye. Okay. So these are some of my favorite interviews. Welcome to Bluebells Forever podcast, because we have two friends that work together and then moved to different countries back to their homeland and then met up again at the reunion. I was so excited to do this story because I've heard a lot of those at the reunion. And I think that some people lost contact and then it was started up again. And then for some people it was um, like you never left each other. And so I love the friendship stories because some Mm -hmm. of us left and lost contact with almost everybody. And so for things to survive over, you know, being in different countries, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have ways to find each other. So I'm always I love these stories of the friendships that survived and are are still thriving. So I have with me today, Diana, I didn't ask how to pronounce it, Diamato? Oh, Diamato, yes. It sounds Italian, but you're actually from New Zealand, (laughs) but living in Australia. Yes. And then I have Jane Bishop joining us from the UK. Is that too generalized or? Correct, yes. Correct. (laughs) And I'm in (laughs) Seattle, and these are always the hardest ones to get the time thing working out. It's not someone's bedtime. Uh, oh, so we yeah. made, it, made it work. So I know it's a little bit. I've had a coffee. <laughs> okay, we're good to go. And I get to tell you guys listening, it was really fun. We got on here just to see them excited to see each other on Zoom. Just uh, <laughs> you guys have a, a, you can tell you have a good bond. And so I, I really Diana. don't know where this is going to go. So yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. be surprised. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Diana and we'll kind of, we'll just talk about like, you know, where you grew up and your dance training and how you ended up there and then we'll kind of switch to Jay and then we'll get to spend a lot of time on the collective of what it was like when you had that experience in Paris dancing at the Lido in Cocorico right uh, and Panache did you do both of them or no no, no just Panache. you were in Panache 
which mm-hmm. some people have said they think is Don Arden's greatest work. But I guess oh, it depends yeah. on which show of, if you're biased or not. But I've watched it online. I found the video of it and it really is a beautiful, beautiful show. So Diana, where you grew up in New Zealand, but what was what was that like growing up where you were and how did you end up in dance? Yes. Um, well, I grew up in the country in New Zealand on a dairy farm um, and I was going to be very tall. My father is six foot five and we've got a very tall family. Um, so my mum wanted to take me along to dancing to attempt to be graceful <laughs> because of the tallness. <laughs> um, so she saw some tap dancing lessons advertised. I was about seven or eight years old. So along we went um, and I just loved it. I learned from um, Faye Campbell um, and we learned in the country. <laughs> so it was quite different. She had a big property and her studio was a prefab, which is a, a primary school sort of portable classroom. She got it bought onto her property. So it was surrounded with trees. And on her property, she had horses, dogs, cats, you name it. <laughs> mm. So she would waltz across. Um, she was the most beautiful, graceful dancer, I think. <laughs> And we always had a pianist, Mrs. Atchison. So she was in the corner. It was just one room. And the the outlook was just lovely. And the mums all sat in the little sort of cloakroom. And there was, yeah, a bathroom in the corner. So that's where I learnt tap dancing from seven or eight. um, And right through till about 17 or 18, we did a lot of competition work. So every year we would... um, pile up the Holden Kingswood and we would go down to Rotorua and Hamilton and we'd end up back in Auckland and we did um, solo dances, tap, um, jazz, hang on, I've got it written here. We also did trios, troops, slow dance, waltz, a lot of, a lot of competitions. Now we had a lot of um, a rival dance group in the city and Jacqueline Parr worked, um, she danced um, learnt from Pat McMinn in the city, and we used to compete against each other. Um, a lot of people used to say, you should, you should both do um, duos because we were both tall and we looked quite alike. Um, but we um, sort of got a friendship from around the under 12s right through. So I, I met Jackie um, at the competitions. Never worked with Jackie over our careers, but we know lots and lots of the same people. Um, so how I heard about the Bluebells is every year we did a British Ballet Organisation tap dancing exam, BBO, um, at the end of each year. And we had an English examiner would fly out to New Zealand every year and they would travel around the country um, and examine us. And I remember at the end of a solo, I was about 12, and I did my step tap to Mrs. Atchison, our pianist, and said, thank you, Mrs. Atchison. And I did my step tap (laughs) to um, the examiner, and her name was Miss Wilson. So I will never forget Miss Wilson. She says to me in her lovely English voice, darling, you are so tall. You should become a bluebell dancer in Paris. And I I walked out of this... um, this um exam and I was like who are the bluebell dancers what what where who and how and I from that moment my dream was to get to Paris and be a tall oh. bluebell dancer you know Mrs Wilson eh yes Miss I, Wilson. I, have a, I have a question about that too because I've heard other yes. people were told that and like bluebell is that a flower but we didn't yes. have internet we didn't have a way to research mm-hmm. it so how did you find out more about what a bluebell dancer was or who Miss Bluebell um, was 
I think it wasn't until years later I found out that Jacqueline Parr, <laughs> uh, my co competition buddy, <laughs> got into the Lido in Paris. Um, and that's where she worked with Carino and, and Cocorito. Um, and I actually rang her mother, Mrs. Parr. I think um, Jackie was quite young when she got in, maybe 18. Um, so I, she's a bit older than me, um, only six months or so. Um, so I rang Mrs. Parr and I was like, I heard that Jackie got, I was just so excited. And um, she told me all about this paper that you get in England, in London, um, called The Stage and Television Today, and told me about Peter Baker, who um, does the auditions. And so I kept that in sort of, you know, the back of my mind. And Jackie and I started writing to each other because, of course, as you know, there was no emails and everything back then. It was all writing or telephone. <laughs> um, and then I ended up my first contract. I was 21. And um, four of us from our Faye Campbell School of Dance, we toured around Asia. So it was just a small show of six. And we worked in Japan and South Korea um, for two years. So that was a lovely introduction to sort of the cabaret world. And then I, after that, I flew over to London, got this stage and television today paper, poured through all the interview um, auditions and saw one. I was only there a few weeks and I actually saw the audition for the Lido. Um, and I was like, oh, my goodness, five foot nine, Covent Garden, Pineapple Dance Studios, Pierre Rambert. So along I went to Covent uh -huh. Garden <laughs> and never having, never having formal ballet training, I had all the tap all the tap training my teacher had been ballet trained so I knew all the positions and we did jazz ballet as well um, when I was younger but I never did the formal sort of ballet training and there was about 10 or 12 of us in this audition um, and I just recall the very first routine he did was a full-on ballet routine all in French so and I couldn't understand half of it fumbled my way through and myself and another girl, Pierre, just said, you and you, thank you very much. Oh, I bet <laughs> so you look lovely. I, I didn't get in. So I walked out and I remember oh, looking I thought through you the glass. Yeah. So I'm looking through the glass and they were all um, getting their jazz shoes and putting the shoes on and doing the jazz and the high kicks and everything. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> Oh. So anyway, um, a few weeks later, there was an, um, another audition in the paper and it was for a job in Berlin. So I got that job, um, flew out to Berlin or we rehearsed in Barcelona and worked in Berlin for Jim Pack. Um, and there was 12 in that show, but two were ex-Lido dancers and two were ex-Moulin dancers. And I just listened. We, we just went out, you know, for dinners and just listened, listened, listened. <laughs> Linda had actually also worked. She'd worked at the Lido, but she'd also worked in the show in Reno that had the huge aeroplane on the stage. That's so, the one I was in. Yes. Wait, which, which Linda? Linda who? Oh, Linda Evans, possibly. Okay. She was very tall, um, over six foot, maybe six foot one, English. And mm. um, she'd worked at the Lido, but she'd worked over there. And then this would have been 1988. And then, but prior to that, because they stopped the visas. So, yes. Okay. Wow. So, um, so these, these wonderful people who'd all worked in Paris kind of convinced me to go back and try again. <laughs> so yeah. I did some ballet lessons, ballet lessons as well in Berlin. <laughs> so my boyfriend and I were backpacking around Europe after Berlin and we arrived in Paris 
And I had my backpack. In my bottom of my backpack, I had my fishnets, my silver <laughs> shoes, <laughs> my red leotard. <laughs> that doubled as a swimsuit. And we went to the Moulin Rouge first. And I spoke to Miss Doris on the phone. And she said, come in tonight and meet the dance captain. I never ended up going back in there that night. As we walked away, Paul said to me, he's my husband now, but he said to me, I'm not leaving you in Paris on your own to work here. Because at that stage in the 80s, um, Moulin Rouge is right next to Pigal and it was so seedy. It was a very <laughs> red light district. And um, it's cleaned up a lot now from when I saw it at the reunion. But back then, not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. um, so we went on down to um, um, the Lido. So I thought, right, let's just do this. So I walked in, walked in the front. You just walk in just like that. <laughs> I just oh, walked in wow. and said, I'm, I'm here to audition. Um, and luckily, Pierre was in the, in the building. <laughs> I oh. walked in and I actually had one of those moments when you stop still because the ice skating rink was up and the ice skating people were practicing. And I remember the lady in red who did that act was practicing and there were oh. a few other dancers and the waiters. And anyway, Pierre came up and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this, this is the same person from last year. And, <laughs> and, and, and he, said, he said, come back at 3 o'clock. I'm auditioning another girl today. I was like, wow. So I went out, told Paul, and we, we had no way to communicate, no mobile, so he sort of waited out the front. Um, so I came back in at 3, first routine we did, same Bella. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> but I got through it. Oh, good. And, um, then we got to then we got to do the kicks and the jazz and the whole the whole thing. And then he said, "Who are you in Paris with?" I said, "My boyfriend Paul." And he said, "Come and see the show at midnight 30. Um, so we came and saw the show, and I'm just looking at this spectacular mash wow. with the staircases and everything. Yeah. And Pierre came and sat next to me, and he sort of said, "How would you like to work in Paris for six months?" Oh. And I was oh. like. This is my dream come true. Oh wow, that's so lovely. Yeah, and then I to love actually... that you have a backpack with fishnets that you were ready. <laughs> you could, that you were ready to go. That's such a great. Story. What, what Diana once told me was also they'd been penniless walking around Greece in a backpack, so she was really skinny and brown. She <laughs> held her in good stead at the audition because they hadn't eaten yeah. for about three weeks. <laughs> So did you? Did Paul go back home, or stay? so was he, it one of those he, quick turnaround that you're right expected to be in rehearsals right away, or did you have time? Um, I think I had two weeks, so I oh. went back to London with him. Um, we met my sister in Barcelona; it was her twenty first. Went back to London, and he couldn't get a visa because he's Australian. Couldn't get a visa to work in Paris, so um, he could work in London. But yeah, but he actually came back to Melbourne while I was there, and um, we didn't see each other for a year after that um yes but he came to the show I did in Scala and he came to he never saw the Lido show with me in it but he came to Sun City when I worked in Sun City in South Africa um which was nice as well so it's nice that, that he's had that insight into my yeah. previous life <laughs> well I think it's yes. like that's a lot of girls that have to decide like leaving a special somebody to go pursue this and some are supportive so the fact that you're married says a lot and I also I interviewed someone who they they worked together and then never saw each other and they got back together at the Hello Hollywood reunion. But what was nice is that person knows you from that part of your life because a lot of girls come home and the whoever they choose to spend their life with has no idea of them as that person in that life they had. So 
that's wonderful. And I love, again, I'm still back to the backpack with the fishnets so that you were ready to go with no money. Cause that sometimes it is like, can you start like in a week? And if you're not in that country, you have to like leave everything packed and figure out to tie everything up. Do you the show tomorrow? Yes. Learn it now. Okay. So then we're going to catch up to where, cause I'm not sure when you, if, if what your timeline together, but I'm going to wait and be surprised. Cause now we're going to talk about to Jane about your upbringing and what got you into dance and how you ended up at that same beautiful theater. Well, I, I was determined to be Margot Fontaine sort of ballerina when I was little, like every, all of us probably. Yeah. um, I went to ballet class every several times a week and I just loved it, but I kept growing taller and taller and, um, everyone was saying, well, oh, so lovely and tall, you'll be a lovely dancer. But then it became quite clear when I had size eight feet, then size nine feet, <laughs> it was pretty obvious I wasn't <laughs> going to be a ballerina. But Top of the Pops uh, on telly introduced me to Pan's People. Do you know Pan's People over there? You might. It, it was a, um, a group of pop uh, star sort of dancers in Britain who are quite iconic now but they would come out in there I suppose at the time they were called go-go girls and there was a uh, we had all the the bands used to play their their hits uh on live tv and then whichever band couldn't make it to the studio pan's people would come on and dance to it and they used to learn the routine sort of in, over the day before the live performance and and of course we didn't have recording equipment or anything then you had to watch I didn't blink for Pan's People's bit every Thursday night because you had to learn that routine you had one chance and then I'd rush up to my bedroom and learn all the steps so I could do it and I said and everyone started saying oh you can be in Pan's People you're so tall and I was thinking great there's a place for me anyway years later once I could go up to London on the train I I was in Pineapple Dance Studio and Pan's People walked through to ballet class and they were tiny (laughs) They weren't tall at all. <laughs> I was devastated. <laughs> anyway, I managed to get into theatre school, a dancing school, Lane Theatre Arts in Epsom, still going strong there. And uh, I did some training there, but um, the principal would let me go and work to try and gain my equity card. So I started working for Guy Stranger, who is Guy Stranger, <laughs> who <laughs> was a fabulous bloke with his wife they ran a lot of the dancers will know of Guy he was a super chap he he would get us all over the world with his can-can shows and things and I had a ball working for him and then my singing took me to residential um, singing positions in holiday clubs around Yugoslavia and Italy so I branched into singing a bit more and then I went Oh, I'm doing my whole life in about 10 minutes. Is that what I'm <laughs> Sorry, stop, stop talking about my childhood. My childhood, I was very free. I mean, my mum and dad worked full time and we had front door keys on string around our neck from about the age of eight or nine. <laughs> we, oh. we got ourselves everywhere because mum and dad worked full time. And that was quite common in the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't really want to do anything else and I just thought well I'll make it work somehow and I I would always go towards entertainment to find work so I sometimes was the magician's assistant or I'd teach dance in um, youth clubs I would just find a job in that field and I was very glad to um, 
managed to find the stage newspaper, as Diana mentioned, <laughs> which is not having social media. That was all we had. And you could yeah. guarantee any news agent on a Thursday morning would have people scanning, grabbing the stage and desperately looking through the adverts for jobs. And as Diana said, you know, your heart jumped when it said minimum height five for eight. You thought, oh, good, that's halfway there. And, uh, <laughs> And the jobs with, I mean, these jobs don't exist now. I mean, these showgirl jobs, it's a, a definitely a sort of a thing of the past, I think, really. It's its changing now, isn't it, as life does and, and cabaret changes, doesn't it, as um, the years go by. I think we were really very fortunate to be um, taken all over the world like that. It was a, a wonderful time. So, Jean, I'm, you were out hustling. You were finding all these things, like you... Like yeah. you said, you're all so because that just shows such initiative, because I think to end up in another country dancing, there's a lot of courage that's and risk. And I, was I think for a lot of people, independent. it's yeah, yeah I was very confident. Like and fit. my mom is and was my mom's very um, poorly and not um, so confident nowadays at age two. But when she she was uh, growing up and young, she was always very go getting and she said to me just go oh, the first job I got was actually to the Middle East and um wow. with Guy wanted to send a group of us to uh Damascus and I didn't know about the trouble there the unrest and uh and I said and my mum said oh I'm sure it'll be all right we'll find out about this man in Paris because rehearsals were in Paris we'll see what go and see what happens which is so typical of my mum so I went over and of course when uh, I realised it was right in Damascus and I remember my landlady calling me down to watch the news at 10 and she said no daughter of mine would be going there because <laughs> I said oh she's what are you doing over Christmas or whenever it was I said oh I'm um, I'm going to Damascus and I know <laughs> her face she was horrified anyway Guy bless his heart he could see I was stressed and uh, so was the girl I was with from college so he got us a uh, some uh, a part in Madrid at his um there's a, a spectacular in Madrid that Guy was providing the dancers and he sent us down there so we we ended up having a great time there that was my first job in Madrid and I was only 17 wow. I can't believe that now because when I think of my daughter at 17 <laughs> I just it was just a different time I suppose so yeah um that was I, I I always did go out there and and uh, give it my all, and uh, I was quite happy to travel on my own. I still do quite like my own company sometimes, so that held me in good stead for the jobs because you'd have to get yourself to um, say that there'd be a little uh, advert in the stage saying singer required for Yuga Tours Holiday Club Hotel. Come to Manchester for two o'clock on Tuesday. Call this number, and you know you'd have to get yourself up there with your music and belt out a few songs. And it did take confidence. But it it did lead to some wonderful uh, opportunities, so I'm <laughs> grateful for that. And then uh, by the time I met Diana, um, I'd been travelling a lot by then because I took off at seventeen, and we were twenty three. I hadn't stopped really, and I'd been in Japan working um, in a show in one of those mountain spa shows. But I ended up uh, in Tokyo singing. There's a quite a funny story how I was uh, desperate to find a job in Tokyo and I was um, walking around with this other girl I was with and we realised we couldn't speak Japanese or uh, we didn't actually have much to offer because they didn't need <laughs> show girls. Where we were, where I think 
We did. We have. We went into this little club. Well, it was a really fabulous little club with a band set up in the corner, and the manager thought I was Karen Carpenter because actually, I have to say, at twenty-two, I was the spitting image of Karen Carpenter. And he said, "You, Karen, you beautiful Karen, you've come to my club." And he led me to the karaoke machine and put Top of the World on. And I thought this is our big short chance to get a job because we'd run out of money and the dancing job had ended. That's a whole other story. And we were desperate because I'd rung my dad. I'd reversed the charges and said, Dad, I just want you to let, let you know I'm OK. And uh, he said, darling, are you reversing the charges from Japan? This is costing me a fortune. And <laughs> he said, I'm putting the phone down now. So I put the phone down. I said, we're on our own. And anyway, we went into this club and, and Karen Carpenter, who I'm, I always feel that she was right with me on that night because she'd actually passed away. Um, but I don't think the news had got to um, oh. Japan yet. And I just feel she was right there because I'm sure she would have found the whole story absolutely hilarious because <laughs> basically was uh, all the guests were sort of filtering in and they were all singing along. <laughs> and that night we sort of, poor, poor Nicole, who I was with, she got the short straw. She had to work at the bar, but we were so glad to have a job. She didn't look like anyone famous. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we worked through the night and I sang the whole works of the Carpenters. Thankfully, they, the, the words came up in English on the screen. Otherwise, oh. they often came up in Japanese, the words for um, karaoke. And I managed to sing my way through the whole load of Carpenter stuff. And he asked us back the next night and we stayed for months and we earned so much money because the yen was very good. But it was when I got my flight back from Japan that I arrived in Tokyo, uh, in Paris, because the cheapest flight was to Paris, although I was heading to London. But um, I, I got uh, I got a message, my dad saying, my dad um, felt terrible, as you can imagine, after the phone call, but he made up for it because then he said, well, you've had a phone call from Susanna, Sarah, Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie from the Lido, Lido, Ludo, and you know, these sort of parent messages. And, he did, and I said, oh, my God. And I, he gave me Steph's number. She'd rung and left it because Pierre was looking to hire, needed some new dancers for the Tallies line. And... Uh, so I, I thought this is fate because I'd landed in Paris. So I went herring round to the Lido and uh, had probably the same ballet routine that Diana was <laughs> and uh, managed to get through it just about. Although I had been, being Karen Carpenter doesn't train you up very well for dancing. So I was, I'd put on a few pounds and he's, bless his heart, he, he said, I like your face on stage and, and I think you're a good dancer, but I think you need to go to the gym. No offence. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got my act together and stayed um, and then that's when I met uh, Diana in the wings we used to wait to go on for the opening number didn't we we just yes. click straight away so there's a lot of standing around isn't there um, backstage and so we used to have a right old cackle didn't we so um, that's where a very special friendship was born, really. I was ready to retire by then. Diana was about ready to take on the world. So <laughs> different, <laughs> different uh, what would you say, different uh, times, stages, of, stages of our careers. What, who was there first? Did you come in about the same time? Or? I think you were there um, first, but you, Diana. Yes, Gail and I rehearsed together um, and then... I remember, I think you only arrived a few weeks later. Yeah. I remember waiting waiting in the wings 
for the Egyptian number and those camels, the camels had to yeah. go right past us and we had to yeah. like squish right up with these big headdresses. And that's yeah. when we sort of sort of bonded and started talking. And, yeah. and then there was sort of the friendship with Gail and yourself. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, we, we had some fun. But I was I I loved the Lido. I I did end up running a sort of holiday club for my mum and all her friends because it was near England. All my mum and her friends used to get the coach because there's no Eurostar then. You had to get a ferry and the coach over to Paris. And um, so I had a lot of daytime activity with my mother arriving to go on the tour of Paris. And then I'd have to go and do the show twice. It was quite tiring, actually. <laughs> but a, a lovely, lovely experience, definitely. Were you guys roommates or just uh just no, kept that part? We we uh we were later because we 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 um took a cruise with uh, another a company that went a bit wrong. We were promised this world cruise and I, I was ready <sighs> to leave because I actually found it quite I was quite a lazy performer and two shows a night at the Lido, it was sort of eight till two basically, wasn't it, at night. Um I, I loved it, but I thought, I don't know if I can commit to a whole year of doing this mm. again. And I always just, I'm so in awe of these dancers that just, they, they've become so much part of the show. It's, it really is their life. And I, I think I'd, I'd done a lot of traveling by then and I was, I was getting a little bit broody and, and I wanted to sort of settle down a bit and, and just have a change. I think I wanted to go, but I was homesick for England, which, it's funny now when you think of all the luxurious places we went, but we did share a cabin for a while on this, what was supposed to be a world cruise, but it turned out once we got on the ship, it was not quite the um, standard we'd been led to believe. And it certainly wasn't going around the world. It was going around the Mediterranean in the sort of roughest time of year, February, March, well, it was March, oh. April time. And it was just horrendous, but, Diana and I, we made the best of it. We'd get the beers in and we just mm. made the best of it. <laughs> a laugh. I mean, we just mm. really did have a giggle, but it, it was cut short because we eventually, mm. um, you know, we, we made our excuses and left because we it it went very wrong. The, the ship, mm. we were sent from the ship to a club in Milan that was a little bit in need of renovating, I think. <laughs> it's less than a lovely yeah. club. And I thought, no, this is not nice enough in here. We, and this isn't what we signed for, you know. No. So it's, it's the only time, really, mm. I think either of us had ever sort of backed down from a contract. But there are, you know, you have to say, don't you? you had, we had to say it just wasn't a wasn't nice place and, and we didn't feel safe. That was the main yeah. thing. Mm. Um, so yeah. once, that, once we realised that, there were a few incidents. We thought, no, we're not safe here. Mm. We need, so we just came back. And Diana came back to my parents in England. We lived right in the middle of the countryside. And we sat there drinking pints of beer the next day in the country in England and eating spring onions dipped in mayonnaise. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> and saying, I can't believe it. We're here. And, so, and then we, of course, oh. Diana, you know, I was just happy to be home. But for Diana, it was quite stressful because she had to think about her visas and her, her next job. And But fortunately, Diana's uh, a whiz at IT and the fastest typer in the world I think so you you just got temping work to tide you over didn't you and then you took off again dancing so it all yeah. worked out in the end and, but then we had a long break when you set off and I started a family and moved um, to the suburbs of London and 
started my family and I started a dance school as well which was lovely for a long time 20 years I ran my little theatre school and uh, we didn't speak to each other for a long time and I I remember ringing you suddenly I found an old book and it had the number and it and I would never forget I was crying when you answered I couldn't believe it it was so lovely and we managed but even then there was no I don't think we even emailed then did I think email was just about coming in but I certainly didn't do emailing you probably did because of work but um after that we'd sort of catch up more often didn't we but yeah uh, we used to write letters and I remember you sending some letters of Holly and William when they were young yeah and um And then probably not till sort of Facebook came out that we kind of all connected again. Yeah, Facebook great for that, but, isn't it? But then I suppose the emails with Gail, yourself and me, the piles of emails <laughs> before oh, the reunion, organising that, we sort of email, had an email oh, flurry, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lovely time. That was so exciting. That, oh. that, that reunion was great. Very, very wonderful time. Thanks to... Um, Lindsay yeah. yes so did yes. you did you plan to get together and know you both were coming to the reunion and yeah. knew you were going to make an oh, effort yeah. to get together yeah so what yes. was that like because I know like there are some people that got there before the festivities like oh, I got yeah. there a couple of days before but I didn't know anyone was so it wasn't until we were in line getting oh. our tags and bags and yeah. like, seeing people but I loved staying in line and seeing like the people friends see each other for the first time and I mean oh. it just made me cry because I thought that's a oh, wonderful amazing, history because you, you only did the show a year you did panache a year? six months six months yeah it's so it's yeah. so interesting this is what I, I kind of equate it to like when you have the little videos on your camera and you can expand them out and then yeah. see it frame by frame I feel like our life is so long and somehow that time is just this stretched out there's so much packed in there that yeah. only six months you lived this full life that made this wonderful friendship. It's actually kind of, yeah. I think of jobs I worked at for years and I don't remember anybody yeah, I worked with. Yeah, that's very true. That's so true. I haven't really kept in touch, apart from Stephanie Haggart Sanchez, who Stephanie danced principal, and she's the one that my dad was saying, Stephanie's wrong you. Um, she's a very close friend and we went to college together so we go back to when we were teenagers but um, because she's Stephanie Haggart I was Jane Hogger at the time that's my maiden name is Hogger. we were Hogg and Hag at college <laughs> and because we were both six foot tall virtually we were you know you couldn't oh miss gosh. us really Hogg and Hag and then we kept disappearing because Guy Stranger kept giving us wonderful jobs everywhere so we were a bit of a caution area really at college but she's still a wonderful friend and it was lovely to see her at the reunion as well but um her and then obviously Diana and Gail we we just yeah we we really got on so well didn't we and it's, yes. it's um yeah it's been really lovely um Diana's been over to stay with my family I, I must come obviously with Covid it's changed things dramatically but so we weren't we also blessed to get in before covid hit because that whole <sighs> organizing poor Lindsay, can you imagine if that had happened i mean we were so lucky i think bluebell was watching down on us then mm-hmm. that's <laughs> what i feel like if that had been the year after we wouldn't have had yeah. it it was, so, I, it was that winter wasn't it it was the winter yeah. after i think yeah, so I think were. of how much that reunions changed a lot of people's lives of oh. the friendships coming together or just an awareness of how special and mm-hmm. there was just a lot of people, it yeah, was, relationships. I think we came out of there with a different, different than just a vacation or I was my probably, high school reunion. Those don't really, it's like, that was nice to see people. This was different. This was really mm-hmm. touching was on something. I really my identity. That, 
how yeah I was surprised at how thrilled and excited I was when I saw all these people it was amazing to see so many tall people at once (laughs) (laughs) there's all these six foot women eye to eye chatting it was that was amazing to see but I I was amazed at how energized I felt from that whole event I didn't expect Mm. that it was very very lifted your spirits didn't it and and made you feel it's like real family it was wonderful yeah, we had a whole um, we had a whole week in Paris. So we um, we yeah. actually took a walk walk one day from where we were and walked down port to Port Dauphine and saw the apartment building. Got a photo oh, outside yeah. of Miss Bluebell's apartment, and then we went round yeah. backstage. That was and lovely. The, the where the little pension we stayed in, um, Gail also had some American friends that came. So it was very interesting. I really didn't realize how big bluebell and the big shows the jubilee show and yeah I'd heard of this, yeah i'd heard of the reno one but i really didn't yeah know all that sort of american side of it so that was quite interesting to um yeah to find I'm out always, about that i always feel a bit missed i missed out on the vegas experience <laughs> yeah well, after I've... the reunion i thought wow i'm meeting those girls from vegas they were priceless i mean they were such a scream oh. and the thought of working with them would have been amazing they were such good fun weren't they and uh really um up for a laugh and it yeah it was quite wonderful to meet them all it was a great thing to see but yeah I was a bit cross we never got there Diana we'd have been yes. very happy in Vegas well let's well, have to go and visit Gail yes well that was a fun because I moved to Vegas to audition then I got hired for Hello Hollywood in Reno so I only had a couple months in Vegas but uh, I knew I knew more of that I knew who Darn Arden was mainly just from doing the shows and Bluebell but I really didn't know about Paris so mine was very Americanized and then you've got the Parisian. So there was a lot of people that overlapped and sometimes, mm. you know, the show would go from Paris to Vegas and a lot of people did both, but it's, yeah. it's a different world. And I think it just it expanded like, Oh my gosh, the out the reach. And then I, you know, I didn't know that Miss Bluebell did touring shows in the sixties and no. like Elizabeth Phillips who, you know, went through Italy and I'm like, Oh yeah, man, do that in the sixties as an independent woman and yeah. see the world. Cause I think that's mm. what blows me away as a, as a woman in the eighties, I think more freedom. Oh, but in the, those that did that in the sixties and seventies, like I'm going to go and travel oh, and, nice. and uh, yeah. experience a different life than I, I would mm. ever, if I'd never left my hometown. Absolutely. Yeah, we were so so lucky to have met and have our tea with Miss Bluebell, um, Jane and I, as I lived in the um in her apartment block in the maid's quarter, as I called it, on the first floor. And she was up in the penthouse, which was sort of the tenth floor. And um I had to go up and pay my rent, rent every month to her secretary. So I got to um meet her a few times. She'd retired then, Pierre had taken over, but she did used to come. I saw her backstage at the leader a few times and she would watch. Um, but yes, and her secretary would come down and pop under my door the sort of electricity bill or the, the telephone bill. And I felt very safe in that apartment because um, they gave us a taxi home at night because it was two in the morning. Yeah, and, that was a um, lovely. Thing. That was wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was a nice, secure building. And I was I was in Miss Bluebell's apartment block. It was just, yeah. just wow. incredible. Just incredible. Oh, so my Jay- apartment. Yeah, my apartment was in the middle of the gal and you'd sometimes get there and be a tramp asleep across your front door. <laughs> That's <laughs> very same, but I managed to survive. I, have I a love question, Diana. I have a question about you. Miss Bluebell was retired before you got in the show. 
Did you did you know much about her? Because I I don't know if being in Paris, maybe you had a different vantage point than those of us on, in America of who she was. Because I'd heard about her when I was twelve, I'd always had her in my, my mind. Um, and then when Jackie got in as a bluebell dancer, um, and then Jane and I both bought the book, so I had read her book, um, and she okay. signed our book. So that's um that was sort of yeah how and just from other jobs, I suppose that job I had in Berlin with um, Linda, who had worked already at the Lido, and Pascal. Um, and Pascal was a lead at the Folie Bergere. So I used to, he used to get me in to watch him in the Folie Bergere. That was a beautiful theatre. I love that theatre, um, which is where the Bluebells originated, I think. Yeah. yeah memory. It, yes. Yeah. And um, we also went down to the old Lido, which was down the road on the Champs-Élysées. There was a party there one time and we went in and oh, had I a look at that. that. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That is an old Lido. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yes, I sort of had heard about her from that, but not really many people in New Zealand had heard about the Bluebell dancers in Paris. They, I suppose they'd heard of the leader, but probably more down here they hear, have heard now of the Moulin Rouge because of the, the movie, the Moulin yeah, Rouge, and yeah. now there's a stage show. So that's a lot more um, sort of prominent. My yeah. kids yeah. wanted to go and see the Moulin Rouge show when they were teenagers. They, they weren't interested in the Lido that I'd been at because they'd seen the film Moulin Rouge. <laughs> they just wanted to go to <laughs> yeah. that. It was great, actually, I have to say. But, uh, yeah, it was um, it was very big, that film, wasn't it? So, But, um, yeah, wonderful experience, really. I feel like a bit of a... I, I don't feel... Because I was only at the Lido a short time I feel um, quite um, blessed to be invited into the reunion and everything because we were kind of just fleeting really compared to a lot of the girls who were so committed for years yes. Yes. They, for 11 I for, well I yeah. did you did you choose to only do six months was it con because it was we could have signed for show? another year couldn't we because Pierre was offering another year's contract and um, we were all um panicking a bit to commit for a year like that mm. it was hard work um, yes certainly for me <laughs> yeah attention yeah. span <laughs> he, uh, he used to um he used to do the inta big intake in march each year and then in september it would be whoever had left the show he would just do a smaller intake um yeah. and we were actually there the last six months that karina was in the show um and i recall her um, because I had the connection, I sort of talked to her. I know Jackie in New Zealand. And yeah. so we sort of spoke a little, but she was this beautiful principal dancer. And I'll never forget her final night. She did the last pink number in Point Chu. Oh, oh, my goodness. She is the most oh, beautiful dancer on, on ballet, like because you didn't really do ballet in the in the Lido, but her her style I suppose and her technique was just stunning and then to actually see Savannah in the show when we were at the at the reunion how special that was from yeah, sort of was holding her as a baby six weeks old and hearing I'd never seen her since then Amazing. but hearing of her over the years because Jackie Parr and Karina are such great friends so um yeah. that was that was very very special yeah yeah, there's there's a picture of them together with um, Karina helping Savannah with her head. And I yes. love the photo, but I had no I know that it was moving to a lot of people that knew them. And then when I interviewed them, like, that's you guys that you were the ones that were the once a bluebell, always a bluebell caption. And so it was really fun to interview them after the fact. And now I 
I wish like, like you were saying, Jane, like it would have been fun to know those Vegas people. I'm like, I wish I could have worked with you guys. Can we yeah. go, go back in time? And like, I wish I had, I could see Bluebell again with it, with this reverence I have to be in Paris after I've interviewed so many people and do the reunion, like do it again. Yeah. And now I'd be so happy because I've met you all because yeah. it was overwhelming. So, there was so many people to see so and there was a lot of activities. But yeah. you guys have, because I heard there was a lot of reunions in Paris from people that worked the Lido. Like I had not that same connection. So I did the dance yeah. class, which was wonderful. And to see it backstage, but I was watching the gals who had danced on that stage there. Yeah, I just felt sense. honored, but to watch them to step on the stage. It was so later. funny to be back, wasn't it? On there again. And uh, there's a wonderful atmosphere in there that it's it's like when going back to all sorts of different places, there's even a smell of a place. It's just it's just all consuming, isn't it? But I'll never forget arriving at the hotel we'd all agreed to stay in and, and calling and saying, what room are you in? And uh, just meeting in the corridor and just screaming. Didn't oh. It's been so long. <laughs> and, I mean, and just- Remember the French guy on the reception? He was oh, actually he, cr- he was actually crying um, <laughs> he from the emotion from our, from yeah. our reunion. He really oh was. My my, oh. uh, he was so fascinated with what was going on. And funnily enough, a year later, although we had to cancel it because of COVID, I'd rung him again and said, I want to bring my husband over for a few nights in Paris because it's quite quick on Eurostar. It's only a couple of hours for us to get to Paris. And I thought, we must do what Gail is. We must go more often to, to Europe and enjoy it. It's on our doorstep, you know, and I got it all teed up. And he, he, uh, I booked the room and I rang to say, look, I'm not going to be able to come because of COVID. And he said, don't you worry, my darling, you come back whenever you like. There's no charge for your cancellation. I've been waiting for you. Oh, <laughs> It was so nice. You know, he really <clears throat> valued that time. And we were a bit of a pain probably because we were a bit squawky. <laughs> I mean, there must have been six or eight women. You know what it's like, like a load of geese coming in at two in the morning, <laughs> a bit drunk and singing La Vie en Rose and whatever else. <laughs> a bit of a, bit of a group of people to deal with but it was lovely time that that wasn't it really really special so Jane yeah, was what, also, what motivated you oh sorry go ahead I want to hear Diana then I want to ask about your oh, book, I was Jane. just gonna say it was very special um the photo shoot at the Eiffel Tower we were oh, like five yes, such a great dimension on the trip we've we've got a great photo with Pierre so myself oh, Jane Gale and Pierre so that we we will treat her forever, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was such yeah. a great guy, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I framed my picture. It's uh, I love that picture. It was just such so a great much. idea. Yeah. It was, just, it was fun to watch the people that didn't know what was going on, to see all these tall ladies that were in their 80s down to their yeah 30s and then like what is happening here that just it was Wonderful. really fun to watch each group line up and to watch the camaraderie. And there was yeah. nothing that wasn't, it wasn't wonderfully special about everything every touch about that reunion yeah it was a so huge had your diana had your husband been back to paris since he was there when you auditioned was did he come on this trip with you or is this just a ladies trip no just myself yeah okay i i hadn't been back to europe since 1991 when um when i left jane was pregnant with holly her her oldest daughter so yeah uh, yeah yeah <laughs> let the time go Amazing. yeah yeah, I got all broody. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jane, what, what motivated you to write a book, which is called The Life, what is it, Bluebell Girl? It's just Bluebell Girl, yeah. I just That's, ordered it. It's, it's my next to read. I just went read. straight in there. And, uh, yeah, I, well, um, I've always 
felt very lucky to have traveled. The book is not, there's a chapter on Paris, but the book is about growing up in the 70s, top of the pops, the whole 70s life, childhood, moving through to college and then setting off on my travels. And I've really enjoyed um, looking back and it's surprising. I recommend writing to anybody. It, I, I thought I just need to start writing if I just put a sentence down and see what happens because it's it takes a lot of courage to sort of bear your soul I think and a bit like artists showing their artwork for the first time to people and I, but I just started writing and it was pure self-indulgence at first I thought I'm going to write it all down because I've never really told my family what I've all the different amazing fascinating people I met and and all the sort of adventures and scrapes I got myself into and it was really therapeutic to start writing and I just couldn't stop and then when lockdown came and my husband's brilliant he's a he works in education so he's quite strict with me and he'd say right back to your desk you know and he really wanted me to do this he's such a sweetie he's really proud of my dance career and um he likes I still sing at the care homes and I still use my entertainment stuff as a as work I always have sort of managed to sort of find work somehow whether it's been teaching or singing to the old dears or whatever but he yeah he really encouraged me to uh write it all down and it yeah it read quite well I'd send a few chapters to Diana on email and she would uh you know for an honest opinion and she was so encouraging and uh it's apparently people are are enjoying it. It's quite a giggle, and I don't uh, I don't hide anything. I, my my dad's partner he he's uh, remarried now, but he, he, she said I don't think your father should read your book, really, do you? Oh. And I said, oh, no, I'm sure he'll be fine. There's nothing he doesn't know. She said, really? Oh yeah, I'll tell my parents everything. <laughs> she was quite oh. sure. But uh, yeah, it's not just, you know, it's about um, growing up being tall and self-conscious at school and finding, there's a lot of romantic liaisons in the book. (laughs) On the back I've put, um, because Steve, my husband, when I, he read my blurb on the back I'd written and he said, you certainly, peru- uh, referring to all the boyfriends, he said, you certainly perused the box of chocolates before you chose which one you wanted, didn't you, darling? And I said, yes. <laughs> I, um, I, I discarded the soft centres and the complicated chewy ones, and I went with a hard nut. You, oh, my god, the, the reliable hard nut. <laughs> oh. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, oh, will they, weren't they, all the way through the book, because you have to make it into a page turner. And there's a bit of poetic licence here and there, but, I mean, I did, you know, you go and move for six, eight months to another country full of beautiful, handsome men. You, you're going to ask oh, yeah. girls. Us dancers always had a, a handsome bow on our arm, didn't we? And, and so uh, I, I sort of planned to get married in many countries. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I caught sight of something in the stage newspaper and changed my mind. <laughs> Off on another trip. <laughs> I just um, think of all the handsome men I was surrounded by and I was very prudish, going to hang on to that virginity for some oh. perfect marriage. 
And now I'm like, damn it. I, there was so many wonderful men. And now I, again, I want to go back, but I, I think it was to have that I much attention and adoration and I should have taken advantage of it. And I mean, interesting, <laughs> wonderful people. Cause like we are saying, you come back home, sometimes yeah. you just don't relate to people, you know, like, you know, I was doing this and people are talking, like, well, Taylor came backstage, like, yeah. Oh yeah, I guess that's not really conversation in my hometown that people are having. Yeah. I have a question about uh, writing it too, because I doing yeah. the podcast, it's like there was this little seal of memories that now has broken. And now uh, all this stuff is coming up and everybody I interview, yeah. they say something that triggers something else I forgot because it was kind of fuzzy before. Yeah. And I kind of was like, even trying to imagine what were the dressing rooms like? And now everybody, yeah. there's a picture of the white towels. We have the blue stripe and all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, Oh, and now I remember it. And I went backstage recently yeah. to where I used to work and I, I yeah. it all came back because it just felt like only little, little tiny, like highlights. And now it's yeah. like all the, all the things are filling oh. in. So once yeah. you started writing, did you have more in your memory than you thought you did? Yes, I did. I'm very lucky because my mum had kept all my letters because like you were saying earlier, we oh. had no other communication. We used to write such long letters. There were reams. Of reams. I read most through my letters uh, that I'd written home. What a load of rubbish. I mean, I just was such <laughs> an emotional mess. And I was honestly, I was going to all these amazing places, but all I was worried about was, you know, a boyfriend or how many pounds I'd put on or whatever. And and I, it was so funny to read too, but I, it did take me back and I I actually kept because I did a world cruise for Gee Stranger on um, Paquet cruise lines and I did keep a diary every day uh, which mm. I've still got and that was very handy it was funny it reminded me of they made us teach aerobics and do the bingo balls and all sorts of other things. <laughs> <laughs> it does write quite well about being the bingo babe and things like that and all the things you had to do and uh, yeah it was mm. it it's been a huge pleasure to write and I'm actually um, giving a talk now. I'm mm. booking up really fast for next year with all social groups. We have a lot of social groups in Britain um, who have been obviously quiet over lockdown. They're all very keen for speakers. So I bought myself a, a showgirl headdress and I'm selling my books after my talk where I do a bit of singing as well. So I've got my PA system and I give it to them, you know, and uh, lots of groups are quite enjoying it and I can raise money for charity, which is good. So, so oh. I did have breast cancer about eight years ago and had a real scare yeah. and uh, surgery and chemotherapy. So I'm quite committed to some charities to promote research into um, treatments because we're really oh. getting there with breast cancer treatments now and um so it's very close to my heart I have to that's say that's beautiful yeah really enjoying that, the talk. that's how you started writing wasn't it Jane because you were blogging during your yes. cancer journey and then that turned yes. into a book which was yes. your first book yeah and then, yeah. yeah and that book's oh. nice for newly diagnosed patients because um it's absolutely terrifying and you feel like you're the only person in the world with breast cancer and you want to talk to someone else that's had it and um so I do zoom talks with um, newly diagnosed women who uh, want to talk to someone that knows what it's like and um and I give them my little book it's kind of a handbook it's the book I wish I could have had when I was diagnosed because it tells you what's going to happen and uh, what you know tips and because the staff at the hospital are so busy they don't have time to tell you a lot of things and um and it, it wrote really well I found mm. I found my sense of humor through it all thankfully mm. and it's an uplifting story which is a bit of a 
pun really <laughs> my uplifting oh. cancer story <laughs> but it, it's really uh, a nice outcome as well because um it's nice to get uh, some hope and confidence from other people that really know what you're going through yeah. so it's quite an important part of my uh, writing really I'm excited to it's on my shelf to read next oh I have, Diana when you got it how was it for you to read the the chapter she was sending was I'm how much of that memory was fresh for you or kind of like more back in the back of your brain did it re-bring oh, up your stuff too completely fresh it was such a big part of our my life even though it was such a short time um because in the chapters of Jane's book when you see her book it's only sort of the last two or three chapters that sort of di- um I'm mentioned and and Gail and um and yet it's so the memories are there from Paris and now our cruise and then our escape from Milan on the train and that you have to read the book <laughs> you have to read the book for that one because oh, it really well. was that was really, we, weren't get, we weren't getting paid and it was just oh, it was really was quite horrific and um so we we really did escape on a train <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. really you think you think now you know but anyway we were meant to be on the world cruise and all the rest of course of it. we were 20 just, when you're 22 you just do a you just sort of run away whereas probably now we'd call the manager and say this isn't good enough right. I, I, I not get away with it in Puerto Rico they would not they kept renewing our contract without our say and we broke contract and and in the middle of the night took her luggage down and we were we were threatened to be blacklisted we got a plane I mean it was this whole people were covering for us and I I could I could I could have just said no I'm not coming in and left but it was like yeah we felt like we're this covert mission thing (laughs) to get out of a contract it's terrifying but it is when you don't know and like you're away from your family you don't know what you what you're able to do or what you were and so we just were so sneaky and thought they're going to catch us and then nobody nobody bothered they have other dancers but it felt like we were but I love that yeah I'm excited to read the train story because it has a familiar (laughs) ring but like when you are you're navigating your hope you know people are figuring out your contracts and your life for you and you're trusting that yeah. you're not going to end up in some shithole somewhere like working well, somewhere know, and it was such a contrast to Paris wasn't it because Paris mm. was so sophisticated oh. you know we had such good treatment there and we looked after so well and then suddenly we were sort of yeah. running around the back streets of Milan thinking oh my god what are we going to do and <laughs> But I'm sure it was the making of a Santa, wasn't it? It's made us it the women we are today, yeah. darling. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was one of the things after working at the Lido, um, with it being so prestigious, I got a job in Sun City in South Africa without ever auditioning. I just sent photos and said I'd worked at the Lido. And they talked to some dancers I worked at at Scala in Spain who were South African. And they flew me from Melbourne to South Africa wow. for a year to fill in for another girl who was five foot ten. That was quite different in Sun City. We used to be weighed. We used to be weighed and fined if we were overweight or underweight. I'm sure there were more girls underweight than overweight. But anyway, oh gosh, <laughs> and um, Ivor Ivor Jones, he he would be a good one for you to um interview, Sherry. He okay, was the he was our captain there. And he worked at the Lido and I saw him at the reunion. Oh. Yes. Yeah. But he was, um, yeah. Yeah. So Ivor Jones and he was very good friends with Pierre as well at that oh. era and in, in yeah. that era. So, um, yes. Yeah. Diana, yeah. was that your last show was with Sunset, your last my, my last contract. And actually the girl who replaced me at the Lido, she sat in my seat, was called Shannon and she was South African. 
tall, beautiful, beautiful girl. And um, when I arrived in Sun City, she was in the show there. So it's just... <laughs> I love that. When so you get to a show and you'd find someone you knew, it was wonderful. I know, I know. Because I only knew you briefly. Yeah. Were yeah. you still dating your, your now husband? Were you dating all yes. this time? Yeah, I was in um, Sun City for a year. They said I did uh, six months of... Uh, the first show, Bravo, and they said if I get into the next show, Escapades, um, for six months, I'll pay my fare back to Australia. And so I was, a, lot of, a lot of the dancers didn't get in. You had to sort of audition again to get into yeah. the new show. So I got in, <laughs> got my yeah. fare back. But, but Paul came over for a couple of months, um, which was great, and my brother also travelled um, at the time backpacking around um, Africa. So he came there and saw the show as well, which was nice, oh. with his girl, his girlfriend, and she's now his wife in New Zealand. So oh. that was very special. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that you guys, he, your, your relationship survived all that. It did. It did. There were lots of, the desk, lots of phone calls. calls and it was very patient. <laughs> there was no text and all that. No Darling, I'm going off for eight months, but I do love you, honest. <laughs> but it's more fun where I'm going. <laughs> uh, is that, yes. Was there a, a, a decision like, okay, I'm done doing this, or are you ready to go back home? Or like, because it's, it's always an interesting thing why people stop. You know, sometimes it's an injury, you don't have a choice, but there's, we have yeah. to stop because the thought of, of our bodies can keep going, gosh, can we, does anyone want to do cabaret for 50 years? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Even and if your body love, can do it. <laughs> love has a lot to do with it. Diana, yeah. yeah. With me the night I met my husband, weren't you? We yes. were around at my cousin's <laughs> and he came around. He was a friend of my cousin's and he came around to see how we were all doing. And because uh, she just, my cousin just moved over from France. So he lived in London and he came over and, uh, that was it. I think I moved in with him a week later. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't hang about there. I knew it was the one. You've eaten all the chocolate. You already know. Like, yeah, I was, the other chocolates. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was a party pan left. So I went for Yeah, the, spark, the sparks just flew that night, I think. I went to see sparks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, that's great. So we, we're, we're going to wrap up. I always hate saying this part, but I, I kind of want to go back. Do you, and this is like with no warning and no preparation mm-hmm. for you to think about it. Do you guys have some, a moment that stands out, either a funny one or disaster or something in the actual show, Panache, that you were part of together? Um, that's a really weird no not much warning no, question. There's plenty. <laughs> no, there's plenty. There? <laughs> I remember um, my first... Um, because my I used to panic. I was very anxious. Um, that I was a little bit scared of Pierre actually, and um, I he was he offered that I would step in for the um, forget what it was called now. It was these blue and white frilly dresses with swings, and he said, um, and I was taught the routine. He said you you can step in and cover for one of the uh, dancers for that dance, which was quite an exciting opportunity, and. How I got through it, I don't know. I just went blank on stage, um, on the show. But I, I just, <laughs> I'm professional, but I just, I don't know what happened, but I just went blank, which actually was quite a common occurrence with me over my career. And, um, but I, I don't think anybody knew. I'm sure I, I kept going. I, I was lovely. I was smiling and being as frou and doing little hops and skips. I'm sure I stole the show, but it wasn't the choreography that I've been taught for the last two days. <laughs> That's my main memory of any sort yeah. of moments. I don't know about you, Diana. 
Did Pierre um, see that one? Did you get reprimanded at all? Um, I didn't get invited to do it again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no he stopped me back where I was, being graceful with my headdresses. And, um, yeah, I, he he didn't trust me with too much choreography mm. again, which I was quite grateful about. That's actually that. that was a good plan. I'll do it wrong, and then he won't bug me anymore. <laughs> I really, I I wish you know you you look back, don't you, and you think why did I should have really worked hard and fought my way to the top and really done my best, but I just I don't know. It just didn't happen really. I was obviously uh, not quite there <laughs> well I kind of I heard some people that their whole mission in life was to be principal and yeah. how competitive and there was a lot of heartache about that and yeah. I was just so happy to be in the show I and I was like I'm taking like class that. and I and I, I enjoyed it and then I was on what's the next show and I because like you guys like you find out the cruise ship I found out about Puerto Rico and got hired with friends without auditioning so mm. for me it was like what's the next thing but for I wasn't like some show I was made like second principal, which was fun, mm. but oh, it wow. wasn't, it, it was, but it was a very small show, but it, but in the show, it didn't occur to me. Cause I go, I can't do ballet like, like those principals, mm. but it kind of made it more playful. Cause I know those people that work so hard, they got what they worked for. Yeah. It was wonderful, but I was just more like, I'm just going to have a lot of fun, but I think yeah. it's, you know, you have a different experience in the show, whichever way you go with it. If you're just like, some people were partying and hung over. Some people yes. were like, I am taking every ballet class. So even within the cast, you've got such a variety. And some of us like, you're paying me to do this. I am so yeah. good. Yeah. So, so Diana, that gave you a little, you probably have like seven stories that have popped up now that we gave you time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Two little standouts. I used to do the Chicago number and um, we're at the bar on the side and for a couple of nights, the girl who was right in the front, she went away on leave. So I got to do her little spot for a couple of nights. So that was my little principal thing for three nights. Um, but Ooh. one of the other ones that stands out was when the ice rink used to come up, we were in these beautiful white pom-pom costumes, but we had to walk around the stage. Oh, I was petrified because it's not really very <sighs> wide as that ice is coming it's up. Lethal, and it's lethal, wasn't it? It's very scary when the yeah. audience is right there. Um, and then we also did a filming for some TV special Christmas show and we were in those costumes and we had to hold our arms up like this. For ages. Oh, for ages. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ages and ages and ages. So that's my little memories there. <laughs> yeah, that Christmas show was good. My auntie in France, she was living in France at the time, she recorded it on her video and um, it was so exciting to see. There was sort of the... Uh, Terry Wogan of the day in France I don't know what his name was but the sort of celebrity was on the microphone and I remember that bit you mean we were all standing there with these gormous grins for ages behind him while he was introduced sort of introducing what was going to be in the show or had just been in the show we were all standing there and you can see our you can see our smiles sort of starting to flicker because you know when you're holding it for so long with your arms in there we're all in agony it's quite funny to see it now it's so fun of what the glamour is but actually what happens is always it's not the glamour that the audience sees oh my gosh so as we're closing because you had been in contact before the reunion but then after the contract con what reunion reunion. (laughs) (laughs) words did it did it change how how much you kept in contact or because i think when you get to get back it's like you come back to where you were plus more yeah, you're right. Because our email, yeah. as you said earlier, there's so many. We email all the time. A little group email with Gail, our friend, and and it's lovely just hearing how we're doing, especially through lockdown. I think it was quite nice to mm. encourage each other to, you know, 
it was a, a quite a difficult time really wasn't it the first lockdown was quite hard and we've um started doing some zoom calls together so actually seeing ourselves really? i think oh. i think that's been wonderful it's been that yeah. time zone thing with yeah. gail in america and we've had um jane and myself and then we did another one with um gail was very good friends with helen in paris she still lives in paris um she was the principal there at the Lido for a long time and her husband was a waiter at the Lido for a very very long time so um it was wonderful to um have these little zoom catch-ups and Helen again wasn't it it was amazing yeah lovely the Skype and zooming and things is wonderful isn't it it's a whole new world to me (laughs) well I think it's going to keep expanding because then you include one more person and then then it just keeps getting bigger because the great. one I did for the hundredth we had 10 of us on there and it was the I youngest one was in her 20s and the oldest one was 85 yeah. and then like yeah. let's do it again and I'm actually going to do I have the patreon page where people can pay a certain amount like five dollars ten dollars a month and it just kind of helps with the production cost so yeah. we put special things on for for them and so what I want to do is um 10 minute tea time where I get friends together, uh, people uh, that might know each other and we put fancy hats on. So Jane, you're already set <laughs> and you can wear fa- and drink tea and then we'll have one topic and we'll only, and it'll be 10 minutes. The timer goes off. We have to stop. So we're oh, going to make little great. mini videos. So that'll be yeah. for the patrons. I might share some on the regular like bluebell page, but it's yeah. a, partly it's just because people are having so much fun connecting on zoom. Yeah. And so like, well, let's put these friends together who haven't seen each other and we'll just drink tea. And like the topic might be, Tell me about G-strings, and you have to talk about it for yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> I could easily talk about G-strings for 10 minutes. <laughs> tell, tell, not... tell me about all the chocolates you ate while you were uh, dancing. Yeah, there's always. <laughs> where did you get those wonderful hats from? There's a video of you talking to a. Oh, yeah. Where did yeah, you find a... those ones? Because I'm quite envious of that hat. Uh, I used to work for Greg Thompson Productions. He's based in Seattle, and I worked for him in Bermuda, but they have garage sales every few years where they clean oh, out wow. the storage. And he kind of has gone away from the showgirl shows now yeah. he's producing a show for his uh, wife that was a friend of mine so yeah. they would refer and it, a lot like you were saying that goes to a lot of the drag queens like oh, they would well, come in or halloween yeah. and i would just grab stuff like i bought oh um, i love those hats so they were really nice full feathers weren't they yeah they were there's some good ones good i'm actually ones. Te- teaching a showgirl series that we we're finishing up sunday so they got to wear them so i taught them the walks oh, and then they put those on you see them all go whoop, like, oh, yeah. heavy. Have a shock I one that's it looks like a muppet it's just so big and it was meant yeah. to sit back but every time the people on they and you can't you can't see their face i feel like they yeah. want to put clippies on it but they're nice but it's also hard to store like i need to get a different place because they get knocked over oh, and the feathers are breaking well, and i've got i hang this one up um it hangs that's on beautiful my desk but my husband's desk is behind me we're like jack and jill desks and he oh. does he teaches mathematics to phd <laughs> students and this morning he taught all morning i've only just hung it up here and he said i just realized when i came off teaching this morning your hat's hanging there they probably think i have a, i'm a cross dresser or something <laughs> you should have just passed by with a showgirl walk every few minutes oh, just tempted, yeah. oh ladies this has been so fun like i there's a couple of times i had tears in my eyes from laughing Aww. um it was Aww, so good and yeah. i love this i love this stuff about friendships because you know, if we just did those shows just for the glory of whatever we got out of yeah. it, really, everybody always comes back. To, it was about the friendships. It was about oh. the sense of community and family. And yeah. if you had, if you had that in six months, that really says a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was there less than six months. I was fleeting, mm. really, but we just mm. clicked, didn't we? Got the same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you and, find um, your people. I must just say, Sherry, you're 
podcasts have kept me going over lockdown because oh. we've been locked down a lot in Melbourne, especially last yeah. year, for a few months and this year. And so I lie back and I just listen and, and oh, I've listened, I've listened to most of yours and also a few of um, Showgirls Live. But I loved yeah. your um, your tour that you both did. I followed that with the blog. But seeing uh, Miss Bluebell's scrapbooks. Oh. I was, and I wanted to video and share it because I go, not that many people can make it to Vegas, but I'm like, I'm touching this Bluebell's, her books that she, she wrote and that she put yeah. this in there. It, it felt, it felt sacred. It felt really sacred. Yeah. Well, scrapbooks, mm. so beautiful. I love scrapbooks. And we don't seem to do that anymore now, mm. do we? Oh. And the young people have all these wonderful photos. I only had yeah. like a couple rolls of film that most of them didn't turn out and I can't mm. go back and take those. So mm. it was, it was nice like to see the costumes fresh again, not like on my, on my camera. I yeah. want to end with one thing, Jane, you said that I love it. There's a place, there's a place for us because when you were talking about being tall and gangly and not fitting and then yeah. when you find Blue yeah. World, you go, here's a place for us. I think like when we saw they all speak the my tall language. beauties, <laughs> yeah, like when I found my people because I just remember, I think I've probably said it too many times, but when I found the Champs-Élysées and found the Lido, because I was looking at my directions and I look up and there's all these beautiful tall women and tall men. Yeah. And like, oh, I found my people. It just felt yeah. like such a, like, and I think when you're growing up, when we're growing up so self-conscious of being taller mm. than everybody and trying to find a boyfriend that would be taller than me at school. Though I am, I married a short mm-hmm. man actually. But I do think, you know, arriving somewhere like the Lido, you feel like you've come home, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Really. Yeah. And I think it's like when people look at those beautiful women and they, you know, I've had people assume that they're snobby or that they were like the some yeah. wild life. I go, these were mostly girls who were insecure about their height mm-hmm. and they had a passion for ballet and were rejected. Yeah. And so there is something beautiful. Like, yes, it's an exclusive job because you have to be certain body type and height, mm-hmm. but it was the girls who were excluded from a lot of other things. Like, boyfriends yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and the ballet world so I think when you when you the way you said it it hit me really strongly it's like there's a place yeah. for me yeah definitely it was really a wonderful thing I remember like uh, you Diana you said that lady said about the bluebells of Paris I remember at my audition for my funding for my college course and at the end I thought this is just crazy because um I'm just so tall and everyone else was so balletic and tiny and we were filing out of the studio and I thought if I don't get this funding I can't go to train and um I just stepped out of line I said I'm sorry I hope you don't mind me asking but can I sing to you because my school is a performing arts school it's not a ballet school and I don't think I've shown you this is how I was as a youngster and yeah I, you, know, you had to be like that didn't you and I stood out and and they said oh I'm sorry but no this we don't do that it was a panel you know of judges well, not they were examiners and they were ticking and crossing who they thought should be funded for that county and um but then there was this wonderful man there he said Irene, of course you should sing. You need a bit of pluckiness in this business. Good girl, come on. And she said, the, lit, the child doesn't have any music. And I just belted out a Barbara Streisand song just with no music or anything. And at the end, the old lady who'd been a bit sort of anti my, my suggestion, she, um, she took her glasses off and wiped a little tear. And she said, of course, there is always Miss Bluebell, dear. <laughs> 
and, and I, so I felt like you did when that lady said to you, Diana, you know, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Miss Bluebell is our savior. She really is because she started oh. that whole thing because it was the Br- Buddy Bradley girls from America that came over to Paris, wasn't it? And Bluebell in the, in the, 30s and bluebell mm. saw them and thought why are they so successful it's because they're so tall they're so the the fabric moves so much better of the costumes with the height and it's like you're saying about people putting the showgirl hats on sherry and mm. it's true if you're not tall it looks a bit like you're dressing up in your mum's clothes doesn't it you have yeah, to have yeah. that height to carry off the big frames and the, mm. the elegance of it so it, it was a, a godsend really wasn't it the old showgirl business. Oh, that's a great, that's a great way. The tear and like, there's a, the bluebells. Yeah, it's like, there you go. This is being very plucky. Yeah, it was great. And one of the mums at the end, they, all the mums were glaring through the glass, wanting to know what I was doing. And the other <laughs> girls all left. And when I got out into the dark corridor, I was walking on air because I'd done my song. And one of the mums stepped out. And I never forget, I was in the dark corridor. And she said, so you little miss everything, are you? Little miss singer, little miss actress. And I, and I, I was terrified. <gasps> and then I got this wave of anger. I was only... 16 I got this wave of anger I said yes I am and you should get used to it because that's show business and you and your daughter need to get used to it because that's what it's like out there <laughs> oh okay and then all listening the, they all want the some encouragement yeah the examiners all came out thankfully and saved me because because the mother scuttled off then because they all came out <laughs> so I ran away I didn't hang around to chat in the changing room yeah. I raced out to the tube and dived on the train home <laughs> wow oh. so they want they want if people want to hear your story bluebell girl I found I found it on Amazon pretty easy yeah I'm afraid to say it's just on Amazon really because that's, um, okay. that's the easiest for all of us in all these it's different convenient. countries uh, yeah but uh it's yeah I'm I'm uh, yeah it's there I'd, I'd be very uh, pre- um, grateful if people buy it it would be wonderful I'm trying to give um, well anyway yes thank you for, we can uh, we can post a link about yeah, yeah we can put a link when I your your episode will come out in a week a week and yeah. a half and yeah. you're going to send me pictures and we can put a link to your book too because okay. I think there's a lot of us that are understanding we want to read more stories and yeah it's, it's a treasure because we you know I think I say this many times times too is people are passing we're getting older we're losing our mind you know there's it feels more important that we get these things out write it down record it on zoom that get these it's an era yeah Yeah. so true it's gonna be faded into history isn't it so yeah i think that coffee the coffee table book is a wonderful idea with some of those yeah she deserves deserves a glossy hardback yes yeah really absolutely makes such a good story Mm. Uh, they, ladies thank you so much um i hope uh-oh. that you get to have many more reunions and then when i see you in person it'll be an honor to oh to tag along with your friendship oh, so we're lovely. going to say goodbye thank you sherry and thank you i think it's <laughs> probably bedtime you. for you yeah <laughs> lovely really nice to see you both Good morning, you too. Yeah.